ahead. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, God, we just come before you this morning. Lord God, we just rest our hearts before you, our minds before you, our spirits before you, Lord. We just thank you so much for who you are, that you've given us this place of fellowship today to worship you, to know you deeper, to to hear your word today. God, I thank you for everyone here. I pray that we would be anointed by your spirit today, that we would hear your word and learn something new, grow in you in a new way. God, I pray that as I speak, you would become more and more and I'd become less and less, that you would receive all the glory this morning, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad to be here today. Oh, this is new. Look at that. That's pretty cool. Last time I preached, that wasn't here. I'm glad to be here. It's been a little bit. Um, My wife and I have been, you know, as you know, supporting the colony church on the native colony, helping the elders get that church up and going again and and uh, again, the ministry's breathing again after they've been shut down. They were shut down for a year since last April. And so we've been there. And so it's been hard because, you know, we want to be here in, in, in fellowship and uh, as well as continue to serve. And so um, we're thankful that we're here today. And, and, um, and hopefully, you know, as we build the colony as we continue to, you know, help the leaders there. We can be here more often, and we're just thankful that we're here today. Um, we're just, I'm just thankful that I'm, that, you know, Dick and Martin asked me to preach today. Uh, be praying for Dick and, uh, and Lynn as they're, for Travel Mercies as they're, as they're out today, and um, um, yeah. So today we are going to do a series. Now I'm going to be preaching for two weeks, and so it's going to be a two-week series in the book of Habakkuk. And so it's a minor prophet. It's in you know the Old Testament towards the middle there, uh, the book of Habakkuk. And boy, it's going to get real interesting, isn't it? When you think of Habakkuk, it's not really a, a book that you're like, oh, you know what? I need the word today. Let me open up the book to Habakkuk and hear what God has for me. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, this is my favorite Old Testament book. Um, I love this book. Studied it in school um, and just really dived into this prophetic book. So it's a minor prophet. Um, so Habakkuk was a prophet during the time of King Josiah and King Jehoiakim, um, which was Josiah, you know, came after Josiah and uh it's called, these books called the, are called the Minor Prophets because, not because they're of less value, but because they're shorter. And they come after, you know, the, our major prophets of Isaiah and, and Daniel and, and those. And so Habakkuk was a prophet during this time of King Josiah of Judah. And now, kind of fill us in the timeline here before we dive into this book. Um, Josiah was a righteous king. If you know the story of Josiah, he helped bring Judah back to God. Found the law, helped bring them back to God. An amazing king. And, uh, but he was still, you know, he rode into war against, um, in Egypt. And he was killed around 609 B.C. And uh, so that's about the time that this book was probably written after his death. Um, but before what we know was about to happen of Judah 
getting invaded by Babylon. Uh, so if we know the timeline here, you have the King Solomon and his, or after David, you had King Solomon, but his sons divided the kingdom into the northern tribe of Israel and the southern tribe of Judah. We remember that the Assyrian Empire, and as, as we see was actually the capital city of Nineveh, the Assyrian Empire wiped out the northern tribes of Israel. So all you had left was the tribe of Judah, and they resisted the Assyrian Empire. Um, so now we're talking to this tribe of Judah. The Assyrian Empire in the north was slowly waning in power, and from within them, this new nation was growing, the nation that we know today as Babylon. And as Babylon was growing, we remember the king Nebuchadnezzar, he really began to just conquer all that Assyria had conquered. And so they were rising in the, in the east and in the north. And so that's where we come to today. Uh, Syrians were losing their power. The Babylonian empire was rising. Judah had a good king, Josiah, but he went off to war and was killed. And the next king, Jehoiakim, was an evil king, and he led Judah back into apostateship, back into old idols, turning away from God, and injustice began to flow into the kingdom of Judah again. And so that's where we come into this book of Habakkuk. And I think it's a very important message for us, as we'll see in the next two weeks. Um, Habakkuk, as he proclaims this message, now it's as we read it, it's a different prophetic book than you'll see like Isaiah, where Isaiah, the whole book of Isaiah is, is either story of him or him proclaiming a prophecy to Israel or Judah. That's normally how prophets work. In this book, it's functioned, the, the style's different. It reads more like a journal of Habakkuk recording his conversation with God. And we'll see why that's really important. The message of this book is important for us today. Um... During this time of Habakkuk, evil was running wild. Injustice was everywhere. Sounds a lot like what we got going on today. Habakkuk began to wrestle with God because he didn't understand what God was doing, which is so relevant to us as Christians who wrestle with God. And this book teaches us why it is so important to live by faith. And this is actually where we hear that word of God, the righteous will live by faith. So this book is, I think, very relevant for us today. Even though it's one of those obscure, small books in the Bible, there's only three chapters, but it's one of the most powerful, um, important books, I think, for us as his Jesus' followers to read and to hear the word. So the whole book, I think, is centered on this one verse. So we're going to skip ahead before we dive in. It's centered on this one verse. This is the main verse of this entire book. And we all know this verse. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. This is God actually speaking. It says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by faith. We have that quoted for us three times, four times, and we have it quoted for us later in the New Testament. This whole book is rooted on those words. The whole book needs to be framed by that word. The righteous will live by faith. The proud, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by faith. We begin to realize that this word here, the righteous will live by faith, is the declaration of God of how he wants his people to always live 
in relation to him. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, this is how God desires his people to live with him by faith. So like I said, as we study this book, we'll realize we see Habakkuk speaking in a way that's different than other priests or prophets have spoke. Habakkuk begins to wrestle with God. That's really what this book is about. He's wrestling with God, and through it, he really is solidifying his faith in God. Habakkuk's name actually means embracer. That's a good translation. His name sounds like the Hebrew word for embracer, and it really connects to how he spoke in this book. He embraces God, clings to God, and wrestles with God. And in wrestling with God, God teaches him something so important for him to learn and something important for us to learn. And so let's go ahead and read this as we, let's dive into the first chapter here. And we'll read the first complaint of Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 to start. So this is the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord God, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. This is Habakkuk's first complaint to God. Starts off the book with Habakkuk calling out to God saying, What are you doing? Habakkuk looks around at his land in Judah. He sees injustice of his own people, law and contention. These are things connected to the Jewish people there being unjust towards one another. There's evil happening within the land. And Habakkuk is longing for God to act. He says, what is going on? He says, how long do I need to cry for help? What's really important we see, especially as he cries, God, There's violence, yet you do not save. We begin to see here Habakkuk's struggle. He knows who God is. He's calling out on God because he knows God is good. And yet he says, why are you not acting? I think it's really important to understand Habakkuk's relationship with God. Nowhere is Habakkuk in a moment of questioning God's goodness or questioning his faith. We really begin to see Habakkuk wrestling with God, petitioning him to act as the father. So we see this relationship Habakkuk has with Yahweh to call out to him saying, look what's happening. There's injustice. Are you not the God of justice? There's destruction. There's violence. Are you not the God of mercy? He's able to wrestle with God And we begin to see this. He's calling out to God, this this cry saying, God, there is pain, there is suffering, there is injustice happening among my people. Will you not do something? He's wrestling with God. And then we read God's response. Verse 5. God responds and answers him. says, 
Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days. You would not believe if you were told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Now the Chaldeans, that was a small tribe within Babylon. It was the synonymous with the nation of Babylon. I am raising up the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, keener than wolves in the evening. Their horsemen come galloping. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping down to devour. All of them come for violence. Their horde of faces moves forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock at kings and rulers are laughing matter to them. They laugh at every fortress. They heap up rubble to capture it. And then they will sweep through like the wind and pass on. But they will be held guilty there, they whose strength is their God. And so what we see here is Habakkuk cries out to God saying, there is injustice in Judah. I see this evil going on in my land. And God's response is, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians to come and bring justice to you. I'm going to raise up this nation. And you saw that description of this nation. This nation of power. This nation of evil. This nation who has really no God but themselves. Themselves is the God. This evil nation is going to come and they will bring justice. And in fact, I am already doing it. So there's a couple things I want us to see here as we look at this before we hear Habakkuk's next response to God. Habakkuk called out he says, you make me see iniquity. I see this evil in front of me, this, this brokenness around me. God, won't you do something? Let's just start there. That sounds a lot like us in our hearts sometimes, doesn't it? We look around, we see brokenness, we see evil. In fact, our own, our own nation, we see injustice coming down from our so-called politicians, coming down from our so-called society we're in. We see brokenness, violence, evil because, well, I think number one, be, and most importantly, because man is broken. People have asked, and you see the secular world, they try to find these reasons for why does bad things happen. If we could just give everyone enough money, if we could just give everyone a house, if we could just, you know, police well, if we could just do these things, no one would kill each other. They'd all have everything they need. They'd be fine, right? Utopia. Why doesn't that work? Why has that never worked? Because <laughs> of sin. Because we are broken humans. We have been born into sin. We have a sin nature that even if you're in a perfect place, you still want something else for yourself. We are sinful. And so in this sin, Habakkuk's seeing this and he says, God, do something. I'm reminded of a quote from, from the Lord of the Rings. And people have brought that up at, that Habakkuk sounds a lot like Frodo. When we hear Frodo from the story of the Lord of the Rings. He taught, he's speaking with Gandalf, his mentor, his leader. He says, looking at this horrible world he's in and, and this task that's set before him, he says, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. Gandalf replies, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to, to decide. 
All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. That's Gandalf. My little brother knows I love Gandalf. We, we hate to see this place we're at. The suffering we're at, the turmoil in the world, the injustice, the brokenness. We say, God, why is this happening? And that's really what Habakkuk is doing. He's saying, why is this happening? And the response, like what Gandalf says, who really is a Christ-like figure in the story of J.R.R. Tolkien, says it's not for us to decide what time or place or where we're at or what struggles we face. We have to decide what we're going to do with what's in front of us. And so you see Habakkuk being really real, saying, God, what is going on? Being real. And God's response is, I'm taking care of it. He says he's raising up the Chaldeans, raising up Babylon to come and bring justice to the injustice that was going on in Judah. He was already raising them up. If we go back to verse 5, God says, I am already doing something in your days. Something's already happening. You're calling out, God, fix what's going on. And God says, I'm already in the process of fixing it. So much in our life, we call out, God, what is going on? I've been in a time of, of hardship right now because I lost my, my grandfather, my mentor, and struggling with what God's doing in my life. And in those prayers you have, you're saying, God, what are you doing? And this response of God is so important for us to hear. He says, I am already doing something. And that's something that is true of God's character. When we cry out, God, what are you doing? I need help. Do something. God says, I am already doing something. But now the response is usually not what we want. God says he's already doing something. He's already going to bring justice by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians, and I love how he finishes, he says they'll be held guilty because their strength is their God, and there's a contrast between the strength of, of the Babylonians is themselves. Their strength is their God, whereas us as believers, God is our strength. And so you see this just totally contrasted nation, contrasted completely different from, from God's people, is being brought up to bring justice. And God's responding to this call of Habakkuk. And normally, God's responses to us when we cry out to him are not what we expected, are they? (laughs) He's crying out, saying, help us, do something. And God says, okay, I'm bringing up this nation. They're going to wipe you out. And then we hear Habakkuk's response to that. Verse 12. God, are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge, and you, O Rock, have established them to correct. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Why have you made men like the fish of the sea, like 
creeping things without a ruler over them. The Chaldeans bring all of them up with a hook, drag them away with their net, and gather them together in their fishing net. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they offer a sacrifice to their net, and they burn incense to their fishing net, because through these things their catch is large, and their food is plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slay nations without sparing? And so, God's response was not what Habakkuk expected. (laughs) The second response of Habakkuk is, that's not what I meant. (laughs) Give us a king. Give us some some kind of law. Give us something to fix what's going on here. And God says, no, I'm bringing up this nation, this heathen nation to wipe you out and bring justice to Judah. And Habakkuk says, why would you use someone worse than us to show us justice? (laughs) See, he doesn't understand God's response. He's confused. He's frustrated, a lot like us. When we have a response, we have this cry of our heart. We say, God, we need help. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you this response. Uh, God, I, I I don't know if you heard me right. That's not what I meant. Habakkuk is frustrated with this response he's given. God speaks to him. I don't know about you, but if God opened up heaven and spoke to me, I'd be like, okay, whatever you say. But to Habakkuk, God speaks to him and says, I'm going to bring this nation against you. Habakkuk is confused, frustrated. He says, why would you bring a nation like this who, who are like who are like fishermen with hooks and, and drag away nations and, and destroy them. And, and they worship the tools of their trade. They worship their weapons. They worship their own strength. Why would you use this nation, this evil nation against us? God, aren't you faithful? Verse 12, actually, when you read that word in Hebrew, it actually is almost an, a sarcastic comment. It says, God, are you not from everlasting? God, are you not eternal? So he, he shows this real relationship with God. He goes, God, I know who you are. I know you're good. I know you're great. But this is a mistake. What are you doing? They're going to kill us. We're going to be gone. They're going to wipe us out. You said we will not die. Verse 12, O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge. You, O Rock, have established them to correct. So you see, he understands God's answer, but he's having a hard time with it. In our lives, how much do we understand God's answer, but we, we have a hard time with it? We struggle, we wrestle. See, in this, in this book, we see Habakkuk wrestling with God. He says, he brings his cry to God, gets an answer, and then he cries to God again. He's really in this wrestling with God, this fighting with God. But it's good. I think that's what we really begin to see in this scripture. It's good. The way Habakkuk wrestles with God, and we begin to see he's rooted in who God is. So he knows God. He knows God is good, and he's rooted in that, but he's wrestling with him. I'm reminded of my childhood, I would wrestle with my brothers. As we grew up together, we would wrestle in the pool, we would wrestle, we would fight one another, we would, we would hopefully not choke one another out. My little brother would start crying, I'd get in trouble by mom. We'd wrestle with one another as we grew up. 
And in that, we learned about one another. We learned not to hurt one another. We, we, it was a bonding moment with me and my brothers. As I grew up, I, when I became a Christian and went to Bible camp and wrestled, I tried to wrestle with my high school pastor, Ian, which many of you know. And I was always beating my brothers, and so I thought I could take this guy. He must be like, what, 100? And so I decided to wrestle him. To this day, I still cannot beat him. He picks me up, throws me over, and I told him, I'm going to wait till you're 60 and your knees are weak, and I'm going to kick them out from under you, and then I'll get you. But in this wrestling with my brothers and then one day with my youth pastor, there's a, there's a moment where as you wrestle with them, and it's, I know this is a funny story, but you really, you bond. Dogs do it too. They wrestle and bite with one another and they bond. And when we, when we have a good relationship with someone, we can wrestle, we can struggle. And that's connected to what's going on with Habakkuk here. He's wrestling with God, but he knows God's faithfulness. And in fact, in his wrestling with God, he's learning from God. He's hearing God. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 Skipping ahead here, Pete. says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we wrestle with God. We say, God, what are you doing? I just don't understand. Habakkuk's saying, I asked you to help us, and you're going to destroy us. I don't understand. Aren't you good? We have those words, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways higher than our ways. Heavens are higher than the earth. Man, that's so important. We're so focused on our earth level. We don't realize what's going on on a higher level. I've struggled with depression in my life since I was 10. And when you hit a bout of depression, what happens, and I know especially after I got saved, is what happens is instead of looking at eternity, instead of looking at my good God, what I do is I do this. And I look at what's in front of me. I see what's right here in front of me. I say, God, this is not good. What's going on right here? I can't stand this. But you see what I'm doing is I'm looking at the earth when God's ways are from heaven higher than mine. I can't understand it. And I've been struggling with it. Losing those you love, not knowing what God's doing in your life. You struggle and you're here. I'll tell you what, this word is, as I was preparing this, was for me this week. (laughs) I'm here when God's ways are here. And he is already doing something like he was already doing something here. And I might not understand what he's doing. But I need to trust him. And that's what God says. Let's read the next verse in chapter 2, 2 verse 1. We hear Habakkuk. He, he complains to God twice. He complains to God his first time. Hears a response. Complains again. Wrestles again. And then he says, But I will stand on my guard post. I will station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. And how I may reply when I am reproved. I love that. He's saying, I know I'm arguing with God and I know he's going to give me correction. And I will listen. And so he stands there trusting God, says, God, here's what I have said, answer me. 
And the Lord's response, verse 2, Then the Lord answered me and said, Record this vision. Write this vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It, has, it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. God hears Habakkuk's concern and he encourages him with an eternal truth. You see, instead of God, Habakkuk stands there, and really that Hebrew word is, he's, he's saying, I'm going to listen and hear what God has to reprove me, to correct me ab- about what I asked of him. And instead of God saying, shut your mouth, God said, I hear you. I hear your heart. Instead of shutting him down, God says, trust me. I'm going to give you a vision. Give it to those who will read it. Behold, as the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. In that verse, we see the justice of God against evil, against the soul that is not right, and the mercy of God to those who live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Justice will come to the unrighteous. In fact, God answers Habakkuk's prayer, his first prayer right there. He says, behold, the the bold, the proud, his soul is not right within him. He has sin within his heart. But those who are righteous, those who trust in me, they will live. Justice will come to those whose soul is not right within them, but the righteous will live. God is comforting Habakkuk that those who truly have faith in God, in Yahweh, they will survive the punishment that is coming. It's a beautiful promise. The righteous will live by faith. And in this term, it really is talking about those who believe in God in Judah will be saved. They will survive. God will ensure their life. And as we know, yes, Babylon came within a couple years. I think about 15 years from this prophecy or 10 years. Babylon came, invaded Judah, conquered Judah, destroyed Jerusalem. But they took many of those, those Jewish people, the Israelites, into captivity And by the providence of God, we know that Persia came, conquered Babylon, and the king of Persia, through the, you know, spring of Nehemiah and Ezra and even Daniel, allowed the Jews to go back to their land, rebuild the temple. And we know that that was, we come many years later to the day of Jesus who walked into that temple. So God's plan came true. It was true. A remnant was saved. Those who were trusting in God, and we see that as we read Ezra and Nehemiah, those who trusted in God were allowed to go back and have the land, and we know that was the land that Jesus came. So yes, God's promise was fulfilled there in this earthly moment, but that truth of the righteous will live by his faith that you will survive by your faith in God, that God will ensure your life. That is the truth we have today. That is the truth for God's people throughout time. Just as we have faith in Christ, God ensures our life. 
Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. My old self, my sin, my proud soul was nailed to the cross. The cross at the Colony Church is a big cross on the back of the wall. So, Our sins were nailed to the cross. And now it's this exchange of life. Now it is Christ who lives in me. So that truth found its full moment in the life and death of Christ and resurrection of Christ that now when we give our life to Christ, He ensures our own life. He gives us His life. And by faith, we believe in Jesus and He loved us, gave Himself for us. And now we live, yes, in this flesh, but we live a life in God. We have been given His righteousness, the Bible says. And so we have life. 1 John 5.12 says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Philippians 3, I'm going to go to verse 9, says, And being found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So you see this this moment is true. Habakkuk was wrestling with God and, and struggling with God and the response God gives him is, trust me, have faith in me because if you trust in me, I will save you. And yes, it was in a specific moment in Habakkuk for the tribe of Judah, but that is the truth that we see flushed out in the New Testament. And next week we'll talk a little bit more about this as we go into the closing of Habakkuk. But this is what we have today. God's life has been given to us because we cling to Him, we trust in Him. As I said at the beginning, Habakkuk's name really is Embracer. He held tight to God. He wrestled with God. He embraced God, but he did it in faith. He wrestled in faith. When we are so much like Habakkuk, he called out to God. He didn't understand God's answers, but he still cried out to God because he knew it was only in God that he could trust. It was only God that could answer his problems. And God's answer to him and promise to Habakkuk was trust in me, hold fast to me, cling to me, and I will give you life. When we are surrounded in turmoil, when we are in this place in this world we are told to hold tight to our relationship with God we should wrestle with God we should struggle with God because only he is our father and when we call on God he acts we may not even know it but he's already answering our prayers and his actions and answers may not be what we expect It may even be hard, but we are to trust in him. We must hold to our faith with all that we are. We must live to our faith. We must live in our faith, 
trusting in God because it is through our trust in God that we have strength, that we have life, that we have breath. See, the Babylonians were being contrasted to God's people. Their trust was in their own strength. Our trust is in God, so we must hold to him. There's an illustration that helps me here. As a baby cries out to his mother when he needs something, he strains with all that he has and screams bloody murder with all that he has as if he's dying. And the mom comes to answer. And for me, it was normally I'd drop something. That's how we should be with God. We should give all of ourselves in this strain with God. We should give all of ourselves as we call out to God. We should wrestle with God with all that we are, with all that we have, so that we are left with nothing else but just this, trusting in God with everything, just just crying out, giving all of ourselves as a baby, just stretches his legs and screams and cries out to God. That's how we are to be with God, to give all of ourselves in trust of God. In doing so, just as Habakkuk did, he cries out to God. We must embrace, hold tight to him, show our faith. And as we do that, we're rewarded with these sweet words. The favorite verse of my grandfather, Isaiah forty thirty one. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not weary. They shall walk and not faint. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. We should wrestle, struggle, grab tight to God and just wait for his answer. Hold tight to him say, God, I have nothing else. Everything here is nothing. All I have is you. And so I will wait on you. I will hold tight to you. I will abide in you. And the sweet words we're given is, God shall renew our strength. We shall mount up with wings like eagles. We will run and not be weary. We will walk and not faint. We will have our strength as we trust in God. Let's hold tight to God. Yes, we wrestle with him when we don't understand what's going on. But in that wrestling, we are holding tight to him, embracing him as he renews our strength. Thank you, Lord, for these sweet words today. Lord, thank you for your word today. Help us to have that mindset to to wrestle with you, struggle with you, so that we may know you deeper, to call on you and hear your word to us, to hold tight to you and trust in you as the only one who will not let us down, even though sometimes it seems like it because we're so focused on the earth, we forget that you're above it all. You're sovereign, you're good, and you're so full of grace and love for us. You are good. As we hold tight to our good God, we have faith. You will renew our strength. God, we need that. Some of us in this room need that right now. God, we are just waiting on you, clinging to you, calling out to you. And your answer is, trust in me. For the righteous will live by faith. God, let us live by faith. Help us to live by faith in you. 
especially when we don't understand this place. We know you have it all under control. Lord God, we praise you. We trust you. Renew our strength. Renew our joy in you. Thank you for your word today. And I pray that this is a blessing to everyone here. I pray that we would go from this place knowing you deeper, holding you deeper, and maybe wrestling with you for some things in our life that we just need your answers in. That we just need to trust you deeper on. That we just need to give more of ourselves in calling out to you so that we can be fully renewed in our strength. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.